0: What's going on, people? It's y'all boy, Kelechi, back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing on this Thursday? I hope y'all had a good week. I hope y'all are doing good. I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are keeping clean. I hope y'all aren't taking too many chances as we start opening back up. But we'll talk about that later on. But we got topics like the Fed chair going on 60 Minutes and making a state about how we're going to recover. We're going to hit on that. We're going to talk about the fact that the trade war is back and in full swing. We're going to talk about this story that I was reading on how, for some reason, Trump's energy chief thinks that banks are, banks are redlining against oil and gas companies, which I just find that extremely insensitive. But we'll talk about that When we get into the podcast, but we start off with the retail apocalypse as that continues to be a thing. JCPenney just filed for bankruptcy. I'm reading an article on CNN. It said, JCPenney filed for bankruptcy on Friday, the latest retail giant to see its downfall hastened by the Corona crisis. The pandemic was the final blow to a 118, I didn't even know JCPenney was that old, A 118 year old company struggling to overcome a decade of bad decisions, executive instability, and damaging market trends. The company said that it has a, it has an agreement with most of its lenders on the turnaround plan and that will allow it to stay in business as a more financially healthy company, but will include closing an as yet unannounced number of its 846 stores. Actually, that number was announced and they said they were going to close around 200 stores or so as part of the turnaround process. JCPenney arranged to borrow an additional $450 million from those lenders to pay for operation operations during the reorganization. The company bl- blamed COVID-19 pandemic for the need to file bankruptcy. That is BS. Companies like JCPenney, Macy's, Belk, J.Crew, just to name a few of these companies that have just filed for bankruptcy, Mar- uh, Neiman Marcus. It's not because of COVID-19 that they're filing for bankruptcy. They've had a world of trouble leading up to this. Some other, like like I just said, Belk and Macy's and some other big department stores that you need to watch out for um, as far as they could also be on the chopping block as far as bankruptcies are concerned, because we've talked about it on here before. The retail apocalypse didn't just happen in the last three years. Amazon has been a big player, but it's not just Amazon. It's also direct to consumer goods and services. All these different players entered the space where people like me are less likely to go to department stores and spend all kinds of money. I'd rather be at home on my computer and order from there. And also people just don't care about name brands as much. Like we do care about name brands, but we don't care about necessarily going to the store and seeing what the store has to offer for name brands. We got Instagram to tell us exactly what the name brand is. And so if you're not the hyper luxurious goods and you're just playing that middle ground of kind of luxurious but not really luxurious you're just a name brand type of thing people don't really care about you like that there are other services and other stores that people were rushing to especially now with all kinds of direct consumer goods and services available that people just weren't splashing their money like they did in the past when gen xers were ruling the thing and they were the ones that had the most money they were willing to spend but millennials and gen z we tend to spend our money on other things and so these large department stores are really seeing the brunt of it and but anyway the main thing i wanted to talk about is not just the fact that they're going out of business but what exactly does it mean when a company files for bankruptcy i think i I had the question and i was like you know what other people probably have the same question what does it mean when a company files for bankruptcy basically there are two types of bankruptcies when a company files for bankruptcy, there are two ways that they can go about doing it. It's different from from how we think bankruptcy goes. Yes, it's a bad thing. I mean, I'll show you, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see a meme on the screen. It's just an office meme where it says he's declaring bankruptcy. It's pretty funny. But um, there are two ways that you can declare bankruptcy. There is the death method where you hit zero and it's the self-destruct button. People try to stay away from that one. That's the, uh, chapter seven version where basically everything that the company owns the chapter seven bankruptcy if you ever see that one that's the bad one that's when everybody bills out the company leadership says we can't fix this it's game over the lenders just basically sell every single thing that they can sell brick by brick the company is basically liquidated for every single asset that it's had it has but nobody really likes chapter seven bankruptcy Chapter seven bankruptcy is not good for anybody because one lenders don't get the full amount of their money back and two debtors or the company sees their all their hard work basically torn to shreds they don't see any of those returns anymore so nobody likes chapter seven bankruptcy chapter seven bankruptcy is like the last the last Last, 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 last last resort possible. Nobody likes Chapter 7 Bankruptcy. The one that you do see a lot more often, and I'm pretty sure you guys have seen it a lot, is Chapter 11 Bankruptcy, when a lot of companies go through Chapter 11 Bankruptcy. I mean, we've seen it in the past with companies like Forever 21 and some other companies. We saw it with Toys R Us. This is where, basically, you are allowed to keep running your operations but you have to meet certain thresholds. This is where you can press pause on paying back your loans to your lenders. You go to the tab- table, you sit down with your lenders and say, hey, this is the plan that we have in order to be a more profitable business. And then you, you say, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna cut our operation cost by doing this, this, and this. This is when you start seeing, oh, we're going through a liquidation. Final sale for everything. Come now, this is the final sale for everything. We want the store cleared out. That's usually what happens where they start closing stores and where they start trying to reorganize leadership when they start trying to reorganize the employees, which basically when it gets to employees, it just means they're going to cut employees and uh, lay off a bunch of people is usually what that means. And so when this happens, this is. I mean it's not a good thing but it's not as bad as that chapter seven bankruptcy i was talking about earlier it's still an opportunity for you to redo your entire business by not having to worry about paying your debts back immediately but the thing about this is you can't just say this is our plan the thing is your lenders are gonna be like hey no that's not good enough we want to see our money so you need to take more drastic efforts Now, if you don't take drastic efforts to show lenders that you're serious about trying to do your business properly, then they just take over. There'll be a committee that's formed. And if you don't do what they ask you to do, they just completely take over your business and kick you out. And then they own your business. And no company wants that. No company wants for their lenders to take over their business. It's kind of like nobody wants to get foreclosed on their house. It's basically the same thing when you go through chapter 11 bankruptcy no business no even creditors don't like that because then it ends up costing them even more money so there are some other types of bankruptcies there's a chapter 9 chapter 12 chapter 13 but nobody cares about those these are the two main types of bankruptcies and this is not going to be the last one that we see for businesses we're probably going to see a whole lot more a lot more big company names like we said earlier companies like macy's companies like uh belk might also be going through something similar to this we might see more malls Where it's like, yo, what happened to that major store that was in the mall? Well, when you have situations like these, especially COVID-19, like we've said in the past, COVID-19 didn't exactly like blow everything up. It just showed the underlying issues that were already there. I mean, look at the US healthcare system to say the least. I mean, the underlying issues that we've had for years just kind of got brought to the surface. So anyway, moving on from there, Jerome Powell, our good buddy, Jerome Powell, the head of the Central Bank or the Federal Reserve, as it's called in the United States, went on 60 Seconds and had an interview talking about how the economy can recover from this pandemic. And I just want to read a few excerpts. You guys don't have to read it. I'll read it on your behalf. I went through, I read the interview. I read the transcripts of the interview. There was a lot of good stuff that he said in there. And i like to share. There's a few things that I want to share with y'all about that was interesting from the excerpts. Um, one of the things he said is... The sooner we get the virus under control, the sooner businesses can reopen. And more importantly than that, the sooner people will become confident that they can resume certain kinds of activities. Going out, going to restaurants, traveling, flying on planes, those sort of things. So that's really going to tell us when the economy can recover. We've talked about this multiple times. It's not just about the economy itself. It's also about the sentiment of the people that are going out into the into the public. The other thing, another another key quote that he said is, there's a risk that if people are out of work for long periods of time, that their skills atrophy a little bit and they lose contact with the workforce. This is something that shows up in the data that longer and deeper recessions tend to leave behind damage to people's careers and that weighs on the economy going forward you could say the same thing about businesses the small and medium-sized businesses that are so important to the country remember last week we talked about how the u.s gdp is 50 percent funded by small businesses if they have to go through a wave of of avoidable insolvencies and insolvencies is basically where they just can't recover You've lost something that, uh, something there that's more than just a few businesses. You know, it's really the job creation machine. Most jobs get created by small and medium sized businesses. And if that happens, it will take some time to recover. Again, he's basically talking about like, yo, we got to do more to help the economy. We got to make sure that we're saving small and medium sized businesses that don't have the balance books of the large corporations. So another key note that he said, uh, the person who was conducting the interview asked him, your people project what 20 or 25% that we're talking about unemployment. And he says, yes, I think there's a range of, of perspectives, but those numbers sound about right for that peak 25% unemployment was the peak of the great, uh, depression, if you remember. So that's important that he's saying that, but however. He does not think that this equates to the Great Depression. He said, I think uh, that there's a likely outcome at all. I don't think that that's a likely outcome at all in response to if this is going to be the second Great Depression. There are some very fundamental differences. The first is that the cause here We had a very healthy economy two months ago, and this is an outside event. It is a natural disaster in effect, and that's one big difference. In the 20s, when did the depression well, when the crash happened and all that, the financial system really failed here our financial system is strong has been able to and has been able to withstand this and we spent 10 years strengthening it after the last crisis so that's a big difference in addition the last thing i'll say is the government's response in the 30s the central banks were trying to raise interest rate to keep us on the gold standard and all around the world exactly the opposite of what we've done today so you know the first thing the federal reserve did when this pandemic started they dropped interest rates to basically zero um anyway another key point that he made and i find this one very interesting about who are the people that are being affected by this pandemic the most he said the people who are really getting hurt or who are getting hurt the most are the most recently hired the lowest paid people it's women to an extraordinary extent We're actually releasing a report tomorrow that shows that of the people who are working in February, who are making less than $40,000 per year, almost 40% have lost their jobs. In other words, low income and a lot of women and a lot of minorities are the ones that are losing their jobs in this pandemic, have lost their jobs in the last month or so. Extraordinary statistic. So that's who's really bearing the brunt of this, which is it's so sad. Like when as I was reading through this and I was listening to him talk about it, it's just like it's literally this band everybody initially at the beginning of this pandemic is like, oh, it's affecting everybody equally. That's not true. This pandemic is not affecting everybody equally. There's a huge divide in showing the people that it's being affected and those who aren't. Ooh, it's not really affecting you can read all kinds of studies you can watch all kinds of different research that has been done and it's just completely continues to show that divide i mean i'm blessed that to have the opportunity to be able to work from home but i know a lot of people who have been laid off who have been furloughed who have lost their jobs because of this whole pandemic situation with businesses having to shut down and businesses having to change the way they do the thing. And it's usually people who are not necessarily on the high income scale who have those jobs that they can be at home on their computer solving all kinds of things, which that's not to say either or it's not a bad thing that you have the job that you have. You're blessed and it's good, but it's just to know the things that is happening in our economy, which is why it's a bigger issue that we need Congress to jump in and do something to help people to help people as quickly as possible and as quick and as fast as possible even jerome powell came out and he said something to that effect um the the uh the interviewer asked him and what sort of support in your view do you think congress would want to consider and he said you know i don't give them advice we don't oversight over congress we don't have oversight over congress quite the reverse actually we're a creature of Congress and they have oversight over us but so I don't give them advice on particular police policies but I would say if I may, that policies that help businesses avoid avoidable insolvencies in other words as I said earlier insolvency is just basically when a business fails completely and it can't recover in any shape or form no matter what the government does and that do the same for individuals in other words help people help them keep workers in their homes keep them paying bills keep families solvents so that when when this comes we come out the other side of this we're in a position to have a strong recovery people will be able to spend be able to do things and that's what we need to have a strong recovery again we've talked about it in the past the u.s gdp is two-thirds on consumer spending two-thirds of the us gdp is consumer spending so when consumer spending stops it means that the us is going to start contracting which means that we're going to be in a recession for even longer periods of time which is why jerome powell is begging and he's saying hey he even went before senate and basically said the same same thing he went before the house of the uh, before the the senate senators what is that the house of rep not the house of representatives the senate whatever this part of the government that's with the senators and all that stuff he went before them and he basically said the same thing he was like yo we need y'all to go and do something of course he didn't say it like that i'm putting more emphasis on what he said he was he went before them and he was like y'all need to get together and do something we need y'all to do something and help people Do something, whatever it is, whether it's sending them cash, whether it's subsidizing their paycheck for the time being, which is what most other countries are doing to ensure that they don't see some kind of crazy unemployment and to ensure that they don't fail completely. And that has been like every single Federal Reserve Chairman, every single past Federal Reserve Chairman, every single president of the IMF, the IMF is the International Monetary Fund, every single chairman of Any of these organizations all say the same thing about the best way to deal with it, provide balance so that companies can keep paying their workers so that businesses can keep paying their workers for the time being the easiest thing to do is for the government to just keep paying their workers but no the u.s always wants to complicate everything we can't just make it simple but that's neither here nor there i'm not a government official i'm not in that office i don't know how hard it is to come up with these decisions it must be extremely hard because they ain't moving they're basically been in the same position that they've been in since we started this whole thing but anyway that's neither here nor there Anyway, but Jerome Powell is saying, hey, we need y'all to make a faster move. We need y'all to move quickly because there are two parts to this. The part that Jerome Powell has completely, he has done a great job of doing this, is making sure that there's money for banks to continue to loan and help Big corporations. However, he can't do anything about spending. Spending is where Congress can start helping the market. Spending is where the federal government can start helping the market. And that's where the huge divide is. You have the you have the central banks that are funding the markets and making sure that things are able to keep moving, but then you have the federal governments who do all the spending, not spending the money, which is the problem right now. And until we can get that situated and fixed. We're going to be in the same place that we've been in in such a long time moving on from there to some more negative notes the trade war that we all thought was over and done with well it ain't over and done with remember last week we talked about uh the u.s probably continuing the trade war and looking to do some things well china has responded based on global time sources if the u.s further pinches chinese Telecommunication giant Huawei by blocking companies such as TSMC from providing chips to the company, China would carry out which by the way, side news, TSMC. Something to keep on your watch list of stocks. Um, China will carry out countermeasures such as including certain US companies into its list of unreliable entities imposing restrictions on or investigating u.s companies such as which when they say investigating all they mean is it's not really an investigation all they're gonna do is just block you uh u.s companies such as qualcomm they'll just make business extremely hard for you to do cisco and apple and suspending purchases of Boeing aircraft so china is like if y'all gonna gonna start this trade back up this trade war back up we ain't gonna take this lion we gonna be ready we're gonna be ready and we're gonna act. We're gonna do our own thing and do what we need to do. So I just found it interesting that we're not, this trade war situation is not over by any stretch of the imagination. It's very much going on strong right now. Anyway, another interesting news that I found was just uh, as part of this trade war thing is the fact that the NASDAQ just released some new rules to tighten rules and basically to restrict Chinese companies from being uh, to be able to IPO, which is basically initial public offering on the NASDAQ. And basically the rules, the rules is basically just set up to block Chinese companies. It's just set up to block Chinese company. Uh, the new rules, it, they say, uh, this is an article from Reuters. It says a move that will make it harder for Chinese companies to debut on its stock exchange. People familiar with the matter said on Monday. While the Nasdaq will not cite Chinese companies specifically in the changes, the move is being driven largely by concerns about some of the Chinese IPO hopefuls lack of accounting transparency and close ties to powerful insiders, which is very true. Like Chinese companies don't open up their books, even when they go public, which is, which is very anti the whole idea of trading on the public market, like the IPO initial public offering in other words you open up your books and you tell us how is business going and china doesn't necessarily do that all the time so this is just some more of the tensions between the u.s and china and how that whole trade war business is going on i just find it interesting and i'm gonna keep talking about it over time because as we move into the post corona climate i think this is going to be one of the bigger stories of who is going to be Basically, who's going to have more control of world economics once we get out of this pandemic? Because I don't think it's just going to be, oh, U.S. and China relations, we're just going to be business as usual. No, especially after the issues that we've just faced coming into this pandemic where we had so much issues with companies not able to get the supplies that they needed from China and all those kind of situations. I think we're going to see more of a nationalistic sense to push towards insulating countries and or to push towards kind of creating corporation structures where we kind of avoid dealing with China as often or avoid manufacturing most of our production in China and on the other side we'll see more of China kind of like finding ways to just arc the United States in different ways so I think that's gonna be very very much a story as we move further and further into this whole post corona uh, climate as I like to call it now The other thing that I want to talk about is the fact that unlike all our neighbors or let's not say neighbors because the U.S. doesn't really have neighbors like that, but unlike the rest of the world that is using this opportunity, using this pandemic situation as a hard reset button, as a hard climate reset button to reset the way that we think about climate, to reset the way we think about handling greenish initiatives every other country is doing it except for you guessed it the number one gdp in the the entire world the united states of america because we do things the america way we do things our way or the highway and that's all, all it is i just want to read an excerpt from time magazine And a a quote that they said, increasingly, increasingly, it seems many of these leaders are pushing for a green future. The European Union has promised to make climate change the centerpiece, the centerpiece of its post pandemic development plans for decades in the future. The World Bank and the IMF, like I said earlier, the IMF is the International Monetary Fund. Basically, if a country needs money, that's where they go to crucial leaders of the developing world have stressed sustainability as they grow their lending in response to the pandemic and many of their borrowers have followed suit in china the world's largest emitter national leaders have endorsed big spending on a slew of low carbon infrastructure and development priorities but in the u.s the world's largest economy and second largest carbon emitter emitter. Any such consideration of a green recovery appears dead on arrival. President Trump has sought instead to bail out the oil and gas industry, which I don't know why you need to bail them out. They have billions upon billions upon trillions of dollars. They will be fine. And senior GOP leaders in Congress have dismissed measures to address climate change as political theater. Democrats won't let us fund hospitals, which is a lie, or save small businesses, which is also a lie. Democrats have actually. Put a lot more stake into putting more money to small businesses where Republicans on the other side are nickel and diamond anything. But that's that's beside the point. Unless they get to dust off the Green New Deal, said Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell in March. I just I don't know. It's like what one of my friends always always says something. He's always saying, Well, it's something our parents used to say is do your friends have two heads? And right now that they do stuff better than you it's a nigerian saying is like they will say if you fail at a class your parents will come up to you and be like and does your friend that passed the class have two heads right now it's the same question that i will ask all the the u.s leaders it's not like any country that does this thing and is able to do things and improve have two heads you don't necessarily you can't you don't necessarily have to put those two things separately you can do both because now is a great time i mean the entire world have been put on a universal sat down situation as one of my friends would always say we have been put on a universal sat down and so with that being said this is a great opportunity for us to reset a lot of things, just like you and I have reset a lot of different things that we do, whether it's we learned new skills. I mean, shout out to my sister who just learned how to paint. She made a bomb drawing the other day. Shout out to all these. I know some, one of my friends who just started biking and found out that biking was, which was one of his passions in the past. All of a sudden he's able to do it again. Everybody is finding new skills that they didn't know that they had before. The millions and hundreds of people that are learning to cook during this pandemic is the same thing. Now is a great opportunity for the U.S. to use this as a reset button for us to start thinking about the future, not just about today. I just, I just think we just need to do this. It just, it just makes sense. Like it just makes sense. We just need to do this. I mean, look at the weather outside. It's been beautiful. Beautiful we had beautiful, it's not been hot down in Georgia. We didn't just go straight from winter to summer. We actually had a spring and it was beautiful outside and it's beautiful outside. So I mean, just, you know, it, it, just, makes good, it just makes good practice. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. I, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I mean, I'm just saying. But you know what they want to do though? What they do want to do is give more money to to oil and gas companies, which I don't have any problem with because, you know, I get paid by, I get paid dividends from oil and gas companies because they pay some of the highest dividends. I'm not going to say like, that's a bad thing. I have people, I know people who work in those industries. They make a good bit of money. Like, that's not a bad thing. However, what I do have a problem with is equating banks refusing to give loans to these oil and gas corporations because they say that's not part of the future of the way that they want the world to look. And equating the banks refusing to give them loans to redlining. Now that I have a problem with. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? Nobody said anything about redlining. Well, the energy chief, the Trump administration energy chief came out and said, for years and years and years, banks would not lend money. Insurance companies would not write policies in minority areas in the country. Redlining is a term used all throughout those debates. We didn't want banks redlining certain parts of the country. We don't want that here. I do not think banks should be redlining our oil and gas investments across the country. Energy Secretary Dan Broelect. I can't say your name, my guy. I just can't. You probably can't say my name either, so it's fine. It's all fair. But like... You you are smarter than this. You are a very smart guy like you are a poli- you are a politician. You've done good for yourself business-wise. I think you're a much smarter guy than this than to equate the redlining of bra- of black and brown people to banks refusing to give money to oil and gas industries to go drill in the Arctic, to go drill for oil in the Arctic. You're smarter than this. You you can't equate the two. Like one was like literally holding people back from being from the ability to grow wealth and literally pushing people back to the to the corners of the world. So you don't have to do anything with them. And the other is just greed. It's just greed and trying to destroy the entire earth. As we've come to find out when we have we found out that we have better resources for energy. But no, we still want to go drill oil and banks. Like we talked about in the past, we've talked about BlackRock who came out and said, hey, if you don't have some kind of green initiative in your company, we're not giving you any money to invest. And that changed a lot of companies. That changed a lot of mindset. And now we have somebody in the in, in the Trump administration coming out and saying, it's redlining that banks and investment brokers are refusing to give money to these corporations. I just, I just, like... Come on now. Come on, Mr. Brolette. Come on now, Danny Boy. Come on. You know, you know that don't make no sense. You know this. You know this. Ah, just, you know what? We we'll just move on from there. Anyway, I have a few other one-offs. All 50 states in the United States have basically reopened to a degree of somewhat. And I just find it very interesting seeing the different pictures of beaches. It doesn't look very... So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the picture that I have right now. That beach does not look very socially distant to me. So for me, I'm just going to sit my butt at home. I'm just going to stay home and not try to like be up and about in these streets. I don't think I'm about to go anywhere because there's been spikes of new cases. So you know what? It's cool. I don't really need to go anywhere. As long as church can still be her- held online... I'm straight. It's not like I went anywhere before anyway, so I'm good. The other thing I wanted to show a picture of was just, uh, I watched soccer this weekend for the first time in such a long time. We're watching the Bundesliga and we watched Borussia Dortmund win the game. It was a good game. It was a really good game, but it was different without fans in the stadium. But anyway, the last thing that I want to leave everybody with is Fortune, the Fortune 500 just released their top 500 companies for the year ranking them by the revenue that they made in 2019. And those, I mean, the top 500 companies and the top 10 of those companies was Walmart. And and these are all in order. Walmart, Amazon, ExxonMobil, Apple, CVS Health, Berkshire Hathaway, United Health Group, McKinzen? 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 I don't know. AT&T and Amerisos, Bergen. So that's, these are all really, really good corporations. Well, we won't say really, really good corporations. They're sub up there that I think is the future. I mean, we're looking at Amazon, Apple, R and Berkshire Hathaway as like the future of everything. I don't really know much about healthcare. A lot of these were healthcare corporations. I don't know much about them. But yeah, I just thought it would be interesting and to let everybody know that that list is updated. And I just want to take a poll. How many of y'all work for a Fortune 500 company? Um, I'm pretty sure most people work for a Fortune 500 company. I think half of the employment or maybe a little bit over half of the employment is Fortune 500 and the other one is small businesses everywhere. So I just I just wondered that. I just wonder that. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all. Just to go over the things that we talked about today first we went over what exactly bankruptcy is when we looked at jc because JCPenney just filed for bankruptcy and we looked at the difference between chapter seven which is basically hidden self-destruct and chapter 11 which is like we have time to reestablish ourselves and hit the reset and just try to do something better and then from there we talked about jay powell going on 60 minutes and also going before the senate and talking about possible things that need to be done in order for the economy to recover and then we talked about the trade war which is still a thing that will continue to be a thing for a while then we moved on from there and we talked about the fact that the u.s doesn't care about the future all we care about is right now because we're america and we do america things and then we talked about the fact that somebody really equated redlining to the fact that banks are thinking about the future of the world rather than just thinking about drilling for more oil and trying to be greedy about it and then we finished up at the fact that i still am not going anywhere because guess what this corona pandemic ain't over yet but anyway that's all i got for y'all today i hope y'all learned maybe one maybe two things from this entire podcast God bless each and every single one of y'all. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. And put a comment down below if you're watching this on YouTube. I'd really like to get some more communication going on. And hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up on Twitter. That's at Kelechi Iwaba. Link is in the description or the show notes, depending on where you're listening or watching this. Anyway, That's all I got for y'all. God bless each and every single one of y'all. Keep washing your hands, put on a mask, wear some gloves, and that's it. Peace.